Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Big Blue Insider is on. News Radio 630 WLAP and the iHeartRadio app. To interact with the show, call us at 859-280-2287. That's 859-280-CATS. Or you can tweet us at Big Blue Insider one Now, here's Dick Gabriel. We're on a Wednesday edition of our program. Another wonderful day. Man, the whole weather picture all week long is terrific. It's a shame that you can't take advantage with uh, Kentucky football this week. But that's the way things are in Kentucky. And uh, here in November, sometimes we get brutal weather. Sometimes it's nice, so we just roll with it. Yours truly, along with Aaron Gershon and uh, Billy Rutledge. And coming up tonight, we're going to talk a little bit of horse racing and U.K. with Ben Roberts. And we'll talk NFL and U.K. with Kyle Tucker. They are both Renaissance men. Uh, They both cover various beats. Kyle, of course, with uh, The Athletic and now works out of Nashville and covers the Tennessee Titans, but also covers the Wildcats, which he's done ever since he moved to Lexington for uh, uh, SEC Country and for the Courier-Journal, and now uh, with The Athletic, which is a terrific website. And Ben, of course, is with the Herald-Leader and uh, a really fine equine writer and reporter. And with the Breeders' Cup coming up, good guy to have on. But there's a lot going on on campus, and not – any big news right now, fellas, but two Kentucky players up for comeback of the year. Terry Wilson, uh, he's a long shot, I got to think. And from the offensive line, Kenneth Horsey. And, Aaron, I'll start with you. I, I kind of like his chances a lot better. Yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, he's kind of an underrated story. With Unfortunately, there's been so many different stories when it comes to illnesses or just health conditions. Uh, injuries with this UK football program, obviously Coach Larman, Josh Paschal, Chris Oates come to mind there. Uh, that His story has kind of gone overlooked as well, but I'd have to look. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that the award criteria would be, you know, production on the field plus obviously what they overcame. So I'm not quite sure. Obviously, offensive linemen, the best way to kind of stack them out would be on kind of like the statistics of facts allowed and, you know, how they grade out the PFF numbers. So not really sure where he stacks up, but the fact that we haven't talked about him much as a liability, usually when you don't call out a single offensive lineman, yeah. it's a good thing. Um, and we haven't done that with him. He's been the starter at that guard position that was, you know, vacated by Logan Stenberg all year, mixed in a little bit with Austin Dotson, but he's kind of been a mainstay at that position. Yeah, and he's such a great story. He's a great kid. I've had a chance to uh... – to be around him in some uh, an appearance with the American Heart Association because Kenneth had a heart problem in high school that nearly cost him his college career. But Kentucky stayed with him. He had to have open-heart surgery and came all the way back, and I mean all the way back, 
after months and months of rehab and now is a starting O-lineman in the Southeastern Conference. Now, we all know that Terry had the torn patella tendon in his left knee. Uh, you know, he's obviously a long shot, Billy, because he missed last week, and we don't even know if he's going to play this week, do we? Yeah, uh, I don't think we expect him to. I think there were some comments that he's back at practice now, but, you know, after the start that Kentucky's had, I, I don't know if the award goes to him, but we were talking about Kenneth Horsey. He's only a redshirt sophomore, isn't he? I mean, he's still got a few more years left. Yeah, yeah, he'll be, he'll be around for a while. Yeah, he's a Florida native, and back in April of 2018, his parents had to rush him to the hospital where he underwent surgery. And some doctor said you're done, which is understandable, uh, because man, when they when they cut you open and they tinker with your ticker, there's a lot going on in there, obviously. But something about athletes, you know, their genes are different, their DNA is different, uh, not only physically but mentally. I mean, they're driven, and you know, he is not well, what you might call uh, a a super outgoing loud kind of guy he's he's humble and he is uh Aaron have you ever had a chance to talk to him uh I think just uh we had him on one of the zoom press conferences okay. uh here I don't know if I talked to him at all last year yeah uh, honest, well, there were so many opportunities but um I will say that's something you Billy mentioned the fact he's going to be around a while you look at the offensive line for next year and the four seniors in him he might be the only starter returning assuming uh, all four of those guys said for the draft and don't use the blanket waiver to their advantage to yep. come back next year. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, and you can't blame them if they do, depending on what they hear from the NFL. Terry Wilson might leave as well because he is a senior technically. But if this year doesn't pan out the way he had hoped and he doesn't hear much about his chances in the NFL, you could see Terry Wilson coming back. That would be really interesting. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens this week or next week. Well, actually this week, too, as they have the open date and try to figure out what's what when it comes to quarterbacks. Uh, other U.K. headlines, and this has been out there for a little while, but and it's absolutely no surprise except to maybe some people who really haven't been paying attention if they follow Major League Baseball. But if they follow the MLB, they know this name, Evan White is a Gold Glove Award winner. And I've said it so many times that my broadcast partner, Doug Flynn, told me at some point, he started bringing up the name Keith Hernandez, a guy that he played with, with the Mets. And if you're a Seinfeld fan, you know who Keith Hernandez is. Back into the left. Uh, but up until that point, Keith Hernandez was the best first baseman Doug had ever played with. And... At some point during Evan's senior year, Doug just threw up his hand and said, he's the best. He's the best I've ever seen. And Seattle drafted him. And, Aaron, I don't know if you remember this. There is actually talk of moving him to the outfield at some point. I don't know by who, but those of us who had seen him play knew that was insane. Yeah, that was blasphemous. <laughs> I mean, there was just no way. Uh, yeah, he is. Uh, everything and more at first base. He was here, and he did it again at the big league level, and it surprises me uh, not, none. It just doesn't surprise me at all. And I know for <laughs> the bias in me, uh, 16th overall, the Yankees were on the board, and you don't know how badly I wanted them oh, yeah. to take 
at that spot. He goes 17 to Seattle, but he's not going to get, unfortunately, he's not going to get the recognition in Seattle. I mean, the only, really, the only guys on the West Coast that get recognition are anyone on the Dodgers and Mike Trout. Other than that, you know, the West Coast doesn't really have the following just for the time zone and not many great teams out there, but he is such a heck of a defender. And if he is able to kind of turn, he didn't have a great year at the plate, obviously, but if he's able to turn that thing around at the plate, you're talking about a guy who's going to be an all-star year and then you're out because every team gets a representative. So even if Seattle stinks, uh, they'll have him. And they also have uh, Kyle Lewis, who's likely actually going to win the rookie of the year. So those are two guys to build around and white's a huge part of their future, which is exciting. And it's good look for UK baseball. Oh, as yeah. they recruit. First rookie first baseman <clears throat> to ever win the award since its creation in 1957. Second Mariners rookie to ever win it. And if you follow them at all, you know it's it's Ichiro, and just the eleventh rookie in MLB history to win a Gold Glove. So that is really saying a lot. But as I said, Doug Flynn was a Gold Glove winner. So from one Gold Glove winner to another, and to Aaron's point about playing for Seattle, he had to be, I think, a little extra special because uh, Doug pointed out to me, and he's still a little miffed about it that. He won one gold glove, but three other times he led the National League in fielding percentage at second base. But the Mets teams he played for stunk. So Davey Lopes kept winning gold gloves with the Dodgers back when the Dodgers were really doing well, one of those cycles. And it was as much because of his offense as his defense. So figure that out. But anyhow, that just tells me that the right people were paying attention to Evan White. We had him on the show this past summer. He's a lefty, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's why I'll force my firstborn son to be a lefty. Just <laughs> seems like a natural advantage, especially for the sport of baseball. Oh, yeah. And if he can pitch at all, Billy, he'll play forever. <laughs> right? Well, now, now I'm going to have him out on the mound at four years old just pitching because – I mean, that's it. That's the advantage, right? I mean, yeah. those come a dime a dozen in the major league. Yeah. My family tried. My younger brother's a lefty, and we were all so excited, and then he wanted to quit baseball at 13. We're still <laughs> kind of mad at that. <laughs> well, my son writes left-handed, does everything else right-handed, <clears throat> so we never had a chance with him. Anyhow, a uh, couple other notes from the NFL. Patrick Mahomes makes a lot of money, right? Put his money where his mouth was. He was all about get out and vote. The Chiefs opened up their stadium, Arrowhead Stadium, as a polling station. And through his foundation, he offered $50,000, and the Chiefs matched it to help open up the stadium. And what that means, of course, is security, lighting, heat, you you know, whatever it takes to open up a stadium. And there's a lot of money. It costs a lot of money just to turn on the lights and the heating and everything in Rupp Arena, if you can imagine the bills that they have to pay at Arrowhead. So, you know, whether you like him or not, you got to respect and admire a guy. And I know that's chump change for him, but how many other guys are doing that? How many other NFL players are doing that? So that is impressive. Now on the other side, Aaron, Golden Tate is in trouble. He's on, Well, he was on my fantasy mm-hmm. team. Not anymore. I got rid of him. But here's a guy who catches a touchdown pass and looks at the camera and says, throw me the ball. 
Yeah. And then his wife, I guess, took to Instagram and yep. the whole rant. Look, uh, I, I like that he's in trouble because it means the Giants are not putting up with this crap anymore. This is what was happening under Pat Shermer, even Ben McAdoo. And there are ways to voice your displeasure, not getting enough targets because he's right. He hasn't been a focal point of this offense, so he has scored now in back-to-back games. Obviously, that touchdown um, w- w- could have tied the game if they make the two-point conversion, but that's just not the way to do it. And having your family go take the social media is just another distraction. This is a giant team that didn't have high expectations for the year. They're playing above it. They're frustrated because it's just not resulting in wins right now, and that's because of a lack of talent still. But I'm glad Joe Judge told them to go home today and take the day because it means it's a culture – you know, I feel like culture change is an overrated word, but when you have the worst team, worst record in football combined last four years and near the New York Giants, one of the most prized uh, organizations in sports, uh, it's unacceptable and things got to give. So I was okay with them getting in trouble, and I wanted them traded at the deadline, so I'm, on, I'm not happy that happened. Well, it, happened. it worked for Carlos Dunlap. I mean, oh, yeah. you remember what the Bengals defensive end did? I mean, he put his house up for sale on Instagram after a, a bad game. It, Five bedroom, four bath, you know, great school district, airport nearby, <laughs> serious inquiries only. I mean, and then what happens the next day or two days later, he doesn't go to practice and then he's traded to a contender in Seattle, which is, uh, you know, not the way to go about things, but it, it does work some occasion. Uh, and, you know, we've talked about that a lot this summer with players finding different ways to put more and more pressure on the front office. And really the college kids did as well, didn't they? here in the summertime, you know, with, with uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and things like that. And for the most part, it worked out for the better. But, man, when you're talking about the NFL, there's a lot of money at stake. So, anyhow, ain't on my team anymore. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about one of the reasons that the Pac-12 is actually playing football again. Back in a minute, 6.30 WLAP. This is the home of the Wildcats. 6.30 WLAP. Welcome back to the Big Blue Insider. Dick Gabriel, Billy Rutledge, Aaron Gershon, and you, 280-2287-800-606-4263, or tweet us at Big Blue Insider 1. Uh, the Pac-12 is playing again, uh, of course, uh, an abbreviated, truncated schedule if you will and a lot of people have tried to take credit for it but really it starts with the players there's an article on cbssports.com about how the players and a lot of them at usc some of them at stanford went around town literally trying to find places where they could hold their own drills and practice and work out and still follow the rules of you know the the, uh, local health authority And when the word got around that it was safe enough to do that kind of thing and safe enough for the high schools and safe enough for the other conferences, they wrote a letter to the league and basically asked, can we please take another look at playing? And that's when the technology began to catch up. You might remember this back in the late summer, and Billy and Aaron and I talked about this, but the technology began to catch up. And the testing, which didn't take days and weeks anymore, took hours in some cases. And what that meant was get busy, get practicing. And the 
Pac-12 governors, athletic directors, presidents, health professionals got together and figured it out. But really, guys, you got to tip your cap. You got to tip your helmet to the players for this, don't you? Yeah, I I think definitely to some degree you got to give some credit to the players, not just the Pac-12 guys writing a letter, but um, the unionizing of the players with coming together and releasing some statements. Trevor Lawrence being a face for it, I think you know oh, yeah. that made that put a lot of credibility on it. No matter how much you put on the word of a college student, just that he was speaking out about it, uh, absolutely, I think made a difference. And uh, like you mentioned, the the rapid involvement of technology and the testing, but also you know. We weren't really sure about the heart issues, you know, the myocarditis yeah. coming up. And mm-hmm. we've started to learn more and more about that. And that seems to be more and more looking like an outlier in some cases. But I completely agree with you, Dick. I think the players being vocal about it and uh, the players that are willing to play that didn't opt out, you know, made it made it really clear that this was important to them and that they were willing to follow the necessary protocols to do it. Yeah, no doubt about it. And they deserve a ton of credit for just – you know, sticking up for what they believe just all summer long, like you said, Billy, but unifying uh, with Trevor Lawrence being kind of the catalyst, all, I think, five conference players, the We Want to Play movement, and, you know, getting enough attention and ultimately getting it to a point where they can not only play but play safely. And I think, you know, overall, just obviously we know how well the bubbles did with the NBA and the NHL. and But overall, you got to tip your cap to just every conference in college football. I mean, yeah. There's definitely been some problems. I mean, you look at what's going on in Wisconsin uh, right now. We saw stuff at Florida. We saw stuff at Vandy. But overall, I mean, there's been much more good than bad. I mean, obviously here with Kentucky, they've played uninterrupted six games. Um, so overall, you just got to tip your cap, and you'll have obviously not just the Pac-12 starting this week, but you have the MAC starting tonight, and you'll have uh, the Mountain West, which is obviously big this year because Boise State we'll have a chance to make it just given the craziness of this year. Yeah. How do you guys think basketball is going to play out? If you had to make a prediction right now, how do you think it's going to go? I, I, um, I think it's a lot like football. These um, high school football teams in the state of Kentucky where games are canceled maybe a day or two before yeah. the actual game and teams are scrambling to schedule with other teams that have vacant dates. You know, I don't think there's a good way – to go about this preseason-wise, like to try to schedule backup games or things like that. So what it's going to come down to is, you know, how long your team's going to have to quarantine when they do have an outbreak because I think it's inevitable. And I think it's going to be a lot worse than the college football season just because if it's an indoor sport and there's a lot less players on these rosters. So if one person gets it, it significantly impacts what the team can do as a whole. Yeah, and with basketball, I'm worried about teams that team spreads. With football, it seems like we haven't really seen, you know, a guy. We saw at least two players last week in the NFL play with COVID and A.J. Dillon and uh, Marlon Humphrey. And obviously there haven't been any positive tests on the other team. Even when Pat Mahomes hugged Stephen Gilmore, Mahomes didn't become contagious. So I'm more worried with basketball where it's, like Billy said, indoors and there's no, obviously, face masks or yeah. anything in the way. It's all... Uh, you know, breathing and all over each other, uh, how it's going to go without a bubble. More intimate, no question. More to come with the Big Blue Insider. Ben Roberts is next, 630 WLAP. You're listening to Big Blue Insider with Dick Gabriel on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com.
Welcome back to the Big Blue Insider. Dick Gabriel, Aaron Gershon, Billy Rutledge. Joined now on our celebrity hotline by one of the true Renaissance men who has been a longtime friend of the show, Ben Roberts, who can basically talk about and write about anything, but we love to talk horse racing and recruiting with him. But he is he is so much more than that, uh, more than just a pretty face. How you doing, sir? <laughs> Good, Dick. How are you? We're well, thanks. Uh, let me start with recruiting. And, of course, right now it's about basketball. But how big is a get named Damian Collins? Yeah, this is uh, it's a it's a huge addition, I think, and it's a guy who um, he's already highly ranked. I think Rivals has him ten, twenty four seven Sports has him nineteen in the, in that class. Um, I think he's going to end up even higher than that. And I'm just I'm really intrigued by his game because he looks to me like the type of player who can come in here right away. Um, Kentucky has had these these long athletic shot blockers like him in the past. They know exactly what to do with them. And from all accounts, he's a guy who's going to just hit the ground running and, and both play to his strengths while also uh, trying to work on some of the stuff he's not as good at right now. And, and I, I, I think he's going to end up being a fan favorite because I, you know, I don't want to compare him to somebody like a Nerlens Noel or an Anthony yeah. Davis as a shot blocker, but other people have. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I, I think everybody in college basketball likes to watch players like that. And I, think, I think they got one with, with Damian. Well, you mentioned he does so many things well, and some things he still has to work on. What would you say are a couple areas where he needs work? The two biggest things are getting stronger and then and continuing to work on his offensive game. And, you know, everybody, when they make that jump from high school to college, there are very few that, that uh, you know, can't get stronger, can't add some weight. Um, Damien is on the, the far end of, of that spectrum. He's, he's painfully thin is, is how uh, a couple people have described him to me. Um, but he's, he's just so athletic. Um, and obviously at 6'10", he's got the type of frame, I, I think, that you can add some really nice uh, functional strength and, and get him. You know, he's, he's not a banger type. He's not going to be down there. Uh, you know, playing bodying up with with guys in the SEC, but that length and timing and just his basketball IQ allows him to to block shots and play good defense without being a, a big body. But I think once you get a little bit more strength on him, uh, guys know they can't just plow over him. That's only going to help him even more. And then offensively, it sounds like he's already uh, making strides. He, you know, he's been known as a rim protector, yeah. uh, defender, but but he's really coming on as an offensive player too. Ben, Sky Clark was obviously a guy that Kentucky fans have known for quite some time. He finally commits. My first two-part question, one, how close was that commitment ever? I know North Carolina got some traction late. And two, what, do you, what, are the, what odds would you put on him uh, reclassifying to the 21 class? Yeah, I don't, I don't really think it was ever close. Um, I got to know Sky and his dad and his family um, over a year ago and I stayed in touch pretty regularly with them. And they told me right off the bat that this, this is where they wanted to be. Uh, they didn't have an offer at that point. Joel Justice had, had looked in on them. Um, but they knew uh, that, that this is the place they wanted to be. And obviously the Carolina offer came, so you always entertain that. Um, a couple other places, but I, I think this one was, was pretty much settled uh, a year ago, if not longer. Um, as far as reclassification, I think a lot has to do on – if Kentucky adds Hunter Salas, if if uh, Devin Askew comes back for a second year, 
Um, <laughs> if if they have Askew, Salas, and Nolan Hickman coming in, that's three really good point guards who could start for just about any team in the country. So if you're Sky, do you want to jump into that? I don't know. I, I, I tend to be over 50% on reclassification. Um, but we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. I, I think all if, if he were to join that group, all four of those guys are versatile enough to where, I mean, you could even play three of those guys at the same time. Heck, depending on the matchup, you could maybe even play four of those guys at the same time with, with their size and versatility. Ben, I need the scoop on this freshman point guard walking on, to this, on the Kentucky basketball team. Kareem Watkins, the stepson of Dewan Wagner, who's Dewan Wagner Jr. is the number one player in the 2023 class. Is this the long con for Coach Cal in UK <laughs> basketball? What's going on here? Yeah, I don't. Well, with, with with DJ Wagner, I don't think you need any long con because obviously he has Calipari still has such a great relationship with the Wagner family, and especially Dewan Senior, who was really his his first big recruit at Memphis, kind of started the whole one and done thing. Yep. And Dewan, you know, Dewan obviously, um, his NBA career didn't last too long because of injury. So he and he and he really credits Calipari with pushing him out the door and, and allowing him to, to make some of that money in the NBA before uh before his career ended. So now they've got a great relationship with that family. I mean DJ's good enough that if the NBA draft is a is a straight out of high school deal at that point, he could do that. He could go the G League route. But if he plays college basketball, I think he's coming to Kentucky and uh you know with Watkins, I mean that just adds even more familiarity and you know, Cal likes to. We've seen it in the past. He's he's had sons of former players and sons of guys he's known, and and um, he, he brings them in the program. And if he sees a good kid out there who can contribute and, and be a a good guy to have around the team, he he's all for adding them. And I, so I think this one just kind of works on a lot, a lot of different levels. Speaking of working on different levels, the transfers who are now eligible, we all know about that. But when people start breaking down recruiting classes and personnel, I think sometimes that, for lack of a better term, kind of slips through the cracks. But, man, they're every bit as important as the true freshmen they sign and that sort of stuff, right? Yeah, they are, and we're going to see that uh, right off the bat this season with, with Saar and, uh, and, and Davion Mintz and, and now Jacob Toppin. Uh, especially Saar and Mintz, those guys will be um, very integral, I think, to this Kentucky team. And it really, for a team like Kentucky that has so much turnover, and not only has so much turnover, but a team that has unknown turnover. I mean, these Kentucky coaches truly do not know, like in March or April, yeah. for sure, who, who's coming and going. So to have that in your back pocket, um, if you lose two guys unexpectedly, if somebody transfers out of your program unexpectedly, uh, to go out there and be able to to add somebody else is just going to be a huge plus for them. And we've seen it in the past. Um, that Kentucky name, I mean, you know, I think even guys who aren't even thinking about transferring, maybe if they see an opening at a spot like Kentucky, um, they might put their name out there just to just to see if Kentucky, yeah. uh, you know, wants to give them a look. So yeah, this, this is going to be this is going to be huge, I think, for for Kentucky moving forward. Ben, this is something we talked about last segment, but uh, give us your best guess because that's all we have right now is what this college basketball season is going to go through. You know, we're less than a month away from starting, and we still don't have a full schedule. Uh, how do you imagine this will go, and do you think it'll be a little bit like high school football scheduling games the week of? Yeah, I think that it could certainly come to that. Well, I think it's gonna, it's definitely going to come to that um, in, in some situations because uh, – 
you know, if it sounds like teams are just going to shut it down for a couple of weeks, if you have a, if you have a positive test and that's going to happen, we know it's going to happen. So teams are going to have to be prepared to, to schedule on the fly, travel on the fly, figure things out on the fly. And Cal Ferry even said today, I think in one of the rotary uh, uh, um, clubs he, he talked to, he's got backup plans to his backup plans at this point. And <laughs> And he's got he's got other schools that that know he's making these plans, and they're reaching out to him saying, "Hey, put us on put us on that backup list. We'd love to come to Lexington." So, you know, I think they're going to get it done. They got a lot of smart people over there who who know what they're doing. So, uh, they'll get it done. I just uh, I'm sure the, the the results at the end of the season won't match up with the schedule going into the season. I I would bet. Ben, back on the recruiting front, obviously Jay Lucas played a vital role in getting Damian Collins. And he's going to be huge for this program going forward. What other guys right now is he kind of leading the charge for that Kentucky is uh, very much in play for? Yeah, it's hard to say right now. Um, and he actually, you know, until they made that recent switch with, with him and Tony Barbie, he he couldn't initiate. He could get on the calls, but he couldn't actually be the one to make the phone call or set up the Zoom meeting. Um, so he's been on a lot of these meetings. But until very recently, he hasn't had the leeway to actually initiate stuff. Um, so I, I think that will come out here more in, in the coming weeks. I know it will because I know he and Joel Justice are, are really going to tackle that recruiting front, and I, I think they're going to work together to, to figure that out. Um, so I, I think we'll have a better idea maybe once the season starts. Of I mean, really, we'll probably have a better idea in the next couple of weeks of, of who he's really targeting. And, you know, Texas – has been arguably, I would say, the number one um, state for for high end basketball talent, Kentucky level talent, over the past few years, and just kind of looking down the list, 2022, 2023, and and so on, um, they're they're going to keep that mantle, and and to have a guy like Jay Lucas in the program, I, I think is going to pay off huge uh, in the next two three years, and I'm I'm sure beyond. A few minutes left, but Ben Roberts of the Herald Leader, let me shift you over to the Breeders' Cup coming up this weekend at Keeneland. And, of course, uh, it's the All-Star weekend, really, not the All-Star game, but but it's also the championship weekend. And looking at the classic, uh, you know, Improbable, a horse I liked early in the year before I got on Authentic and became a derby-winning derby owner. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's obviously always a great field in the classic, Ben. Should we expect any surprises or do you believe it'll be Bob Baffert with somebody in the winner's circle? Well, I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't call this a surprise. Obviously, you got Tisdall on there too, as yeah. second choice, three to one. And after a, a layoff, I think he needed it after that derby. But um, I, I wouldn't call this a surprise. But but Tom's Data um, and Albert Stahl, the trainer there, uh, I really like that horse. I think. Had he not stumbled out of the gate in his last race, the Whitney, which Improbable actually won, um, he might be the favorite. Yep. You know, he was the favorite in that race over Improbable. He uh, he won five races going into that one. Um, he, he's a very accomplished horse. He, he fires every time. He was just, you know, he it was a pretty bad stumble right right from the break, and, and he just never really recovered from that. Um, so, you know, six to one, I like those odds a lot. And with, sure. with all the other star power in this race, I think those could even creep up a little, in, in which case, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see him up around 7-1, to 8-1, something like that. What do you think of his rider? Because I like Joel Rosario a lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's he's uh, you, you don't want to call him up and coming anymore because he, he's up there now. No. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's 
certainly established uh, himself as, as one of the hottest names uh, in that jockey colony uh, nationwide now. You mentioned Tiz the Law, and he didn't run badly uh, in the Derby. He just got sort of outpaced at the end. So, you know, you just may see him run back to his original form. Am I right? Yeah, and I don't even think – I don't think he liked the track, actually. Really? And I, you know, I was there and, and watching it live. Um, just something looked a little off, and then when you go back and watch the video, once he got to the top of the – I mean, he was right where they wanted him. Yeah. Uh, really, the whole race, and especially there at the top of the stretch, and you just kind of expect him to, to hit that button and go, and it just never happened. And it just – if you watch it back, it looks like right around that point um, when he would usually just go – the, the wheel started spinning a little bit, and, and that tells me, and, and uh, you know, I think Barkley Tags even said it since, that, that he just didn't like that surface. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I, what I don't like, I don't like that two-hole a lot for him just because, as we've seen, he does he's gotten in a little trouble when he's been in traffic, and then he likes to kind of sit on the outside there, kind of go all the way around on the outside yeah. and make sure he's got some clear space to run. So. But, I, you know, I love that. I really love that horse, and I, I think he's, he, he could really come up big on Saturday. I learned a lot many, many years ago when Arazi ran in the Breeders' mm-hmm. Cup. And I don't know if you remember that, man, but when he arrived, it was like Elvis entered the building. He was such a superstar, but he was, first of all, coming off an injury. Secondly, didn't like the track. Yeah. And and I, I threw him out for that reason, quite frankly. Uh, there's something about Churchill Downs. I think Keeneland, no, not a knock on Churchill, but I think Keeneland can be a little easier to figure out, especially all these riders and trainers have worked at Keeneland. So uh, one final note, my horse, Authentic. I'm one of almost 6,000 owners, as you know. What kind of shot do I have? We're 9 to 5, Ben. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not. You know, I've never really been as big on authentic. So he he certainly proved me wrong on Derby Day. Yeah. Um. And you know, ran a great race against Swiss Skydiver too in the Preakness. Um. And obviously, I think that took a little bit out of him. Uh. You know, to the law, skipped the Preakness, so he he's going to come in a, a little more fresh. Yeah. Um. Obviously, authentic's a great, great horse. Uh. But in this field. I just think those those three older horses, um, Improbable, Maximum Security, and Tom's Day Tire are just going to be real, real tough. And then I, I, I just like Tiz Law coming in this spot a little bit better than Authentic. But, you know, among those five, somebody with that much talent, I think somebody is going to have to run the race of their life to, to win this. Wow. One of those five is going to run their best race ever. And wow. it's just a matter of, I, I think, which one comes up and, and does it. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. And by the way, Authentic's 9-5, to five, but I guarantee you that's because the odds maker believes that people like me will bet him way down, and I'm sure we will. Uh, ben Roberts will write about it, whatever happens. Thank you, sir. Stay safe out there and hope to see you soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good one. And we're back in a few here on 630 WLAP. This is the home of the Wildcats, 630 WLAP. Thanks again to Ben Roberts for joining us and uh, talking a little horse racing and Kentucky recruiting. I'm going to shift back to SEC football. Now, interesting comments from Kirk Herbstreet. I know that, <clears throat> Billy, you have not seen the comments on 247, Aaron. I don't know if you saw them, where uh, Herbstreet was kind of taken up for Stetson Bennett going into the Georgia-Florida game. 
you talk about being under a microscope, and he points out that this kid's going to have to, and this is nearly impossible, um, he's going to have to keep pace some way with Kyle Trask and make plays. You know, first of all, don't throw any more picks. He's thrown five in the last couple of games. But, you know, he plays with some attitude, and Herb Street likes it. But he talks about the pressure, and he's right when he says he went from being everybody's favorite son to this guy is a bum, you know, quoting fans. And he said that affects your mindset. It affects who you are, and they've got to get his mojo back and his confidence back. He said, I don't think Florida can play with Alabama. I do think Georgia can. So they got to find a way to get it going this weekend. Uh, we saw in the in the game with Kentucky, fellas, he's a good athlete. Uh, you know, not the greatest of game managers, turned it over a couple times. But he's surrounded by a lot of talented players. This is a different animal, though. Florida's pretty good, Aaron. So I don't know. We, we may see more after this game of a quarterback controversy down in Athens. Yeah, I mean, I know we're only in, what, first week in November here, but this game will probably decide the East just with the way that Kentucky and Tennessee have ended up playing this year. Um, this is why I picked Florida at the beginning of the year, though, Dick. I just The quarterback situation, even when Jamie Newman was supposed to be the guy down in Athens, just didn't sit well with me. And I obviously predicted that you know Newman was going to opt out, um, but – I don't know. Something about Georgia's quarterback situation and just some of the guys that they lost, like DeAndre Swift. You know, DeAndre Swift, would. I'm not saying Zamir White's obviously a great player. We saw what he did on Saturday in Lexington. But DeAndre Swift maybe is able to carry the load and get them, you know, over the hump. But, you know, Florida's got an elite quarterback in Kyle Trask. The numbers have suggested it this year. I think he broke an SEC record for touchdown passes through five games. Or something like that. I, I didn't see exactly what the record was, but he's been stellar. He's got Kyle Pitts, who he should be in the NFL right now. The guy has no <laughs> business playing college football. So I, I, this is going to be a tough game, like you said, for Florida, uh, for Georgia to keep up. I think it'll be. I think uh, Georgia definitely is the talent to score because Florida's defense isn't great. But is the quarterback play going to be good enough to keep up? He's too tiny. He's he is. He's five ten, five eleven. Can't see over the offensive line. Now, look, I was going to give uh, Aaron some credit, you know, with that Florida pick early on. It looks like Florida could take the East this year if they can beat Georgia. But hasn't Dan Mullen become the villain of the SEC already? I mean, Darth Vader. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Darth Vader in his press conference, you know, yeah. the, the COVID comments and then that backfiring like the next day, you know, him instigating that that fight at midfield and getting yeah. fined by the SEC. If Lane Kiffin hasn't turned enough heads, Dan Mullen <laughs> – especially this year, is starting to become one of those guys in the headlines. Scott Strickland needs to get a hold of his coach, doesn't he? I, the former Kentucky assistant AD. I'd say so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mullen said, I've seen good things out of our offense. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to see all of them yet. And he said that was because Kentucky was a ground-and-pound ball control team, and we made a few unfortunate turnovers, which is true. You know, Kentucky controlled the pace of that game. Unfortunately, could not finish off any drives with scoring. But, you know, just think, if the Cats get into the end zone once, it's a different kind of game. But that's where you are in a game like that. That's 14-3. to And you're going to get that with a backup kid making his first start in Gatewood. And then Stetson Bennett 
who, as Billy said, is not the kind of guy, if you're choosing sides and you're looking at rosters, is that the kid you point to and say, I'll take him, he's going to be my quarterback? And no disrespect, you know, and he's played well. He's got a good arm, but, man, is he going to be under the microscope on Saturday? Was the play of the game Phil Hoskins batting that pass down and picking it off himself? I mean, I believe it was. That was one of the things we were talking about with him, yeah. you know, getting balls batted down by Bama. Yeah, and it put Kentucky back in the game, changed all the momentum at the right time. So, yeah. All right, number number two is coming up. Kyle Tucker's next 630 WLAP. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.